Keller Williams, welcome to KGNU, where we are presenting on February 10th, Saturday night at the Caribou Room, uh, a concert. Doors are open at 7.30 and the show's at 9. And I wanted to start off by just asking, have you, I don't think you probably played there yet, right? I have not. No, I've been in Nedlin, uh I think for Nedfest a few times in the past decade or so. Um but never played uh, this room we've heard so much wonderful things about. Yeah, I think you're going to be very surprised. It's like being in a nightclub in any large city. Um, even Boulder doesn't have anything like that. And uh, it's it's a great venue up in the mountains. So, um, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, so I wanted to start off by asking you, uh, because you have so many albums out and so many different uh, sort of themes going on, what is the set list going to be like for the show? Well, um, having not played there before, you know, um, usually what I do is I, I look at what I played last time and try not to play any of that stuff, and like process elimination type of thing. But it's kind of all open. Uh, um, uh, I, sometimes, you know, I wake up with ideas. Other times, you know, they occur. Uh, as I'm making out the set list, other times, you know, people shout stuff that I'm into and uh, and I'll play. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to have the freedom to play solo and to uh, really not have a set set list. And, uh, you know, it helps to actually practice songs you haven't played in 20 years uh, backstage. But... Uh, um, there's no there's no real set set list you know I'd be pulling off of all uh in, in, in any record I could think of uh, that I've done as well as uh you know um variety of of covers being obscure and some uh very popular you know familiar recent pop songs possibly done in a different way um as well as the, some of the classic rock stuff that's fun to get everybody singing along on yeah, in on the 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 obscure stuff, I I would assume you're thinking about Thief and and some of the other sort of off projects. Uh, obscure stuff being obscure covers, maybe you know by uh, uh, Soul Coughing or Mike Doty or um, uh, Mother Hips, you know, folk, you know stuff that's not necessarily in the mainstream, uh, but you know possibly obscure. Cool. Well, it it sounds like it'll be a very fun night. Um, which brings me, you you mentioned this was going to be a solo show. Which do you like? I know you. Which do you like better, solo or with a band, or is there a, just different? I yeah, it's totally different. You know, in in the beginning when I when I first started, the idea was to be in bands and to share that camaraderie and to make something greater than you can do by yourself. And then. Uh, you know, it, it got expensive, and uh, and then I started to um, um, excel, I guess, a little bit in the in, in the solo department. And uh, and once I was able to afford humans, you know, the the projects kind of um, worked their way in. And uh, I think each element, the solo and the band, kind of helps the other for me. You know, if I play solo a whole lot, I really really want to play with the band. And uh, and vice versa. So it makes me kind of, um, you know, I, I get the best of both worlds. I get to uh, um, kind of miss the other element, which makes it more fun to go back to. Yeah, that brings up actually sort of a, a tangent. Um, 
creative. Well, let's talk about the new albums first, and I want to get into sort of your creative process and everything, because um, okay. that's what's interesting, at least to me. Um, you have two albums out on the same day, uh, Raw and Sync, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the? How does that happen <laughs> in this day and age? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it, it's a lot less complicated than you think. Um, the um, Raw album started as a concept in 2011 where I was going to put out 12 songs on 12 different guitars. Uh, finished that in a couple days and uh, didn't like it. Scrapped it. Uh, move on um, to uh, last year uh, I was able to do um, 20 five shows as a co-bill with Leo Kotke and wanted some kind of product to display what I did that night, you know, to try to cross over to the Leo folks looking at my, my catalog. I didn't have anything. So I revisited those 2011 sessions that I scrapped, pulled, pulled four of, of the 12 songs that I really liked out of those and, uh, and then, uh, cut six different ones. There is, uh, there's sync. I mean, there is raw. That's ready to go. It's kind of like a, not that hard of a, of 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 a project to put together, being as a, a solo acoustic guitar and vocals. Um, but um, meanwhile, I'm I'm touring with uh, Quattro, K W A H T R O. It's like a you know, a play on four and a play on my initials. And uh, that's Gib Droll on guitar, Danton Bowler on bass, Rodney Holmes on drums, and we had been playing a lot of these songs that appeared on the record, you know, live, and it came down to recording. Everybody lives in different cities. Everybody kind of has their own way of recording, so I recorded my tracks first, sent them to Rodney. Uh, a couple months later, he <laughs> sent them to Danton. A couple months later, uh, Gib came and, and, and did his parts here in Fredericksburg, and so to me, it kind of sounds like uh, four guys playing the same, you know, in the same room, but it's not, you know, and, and it comes together in sync. And, um, and so here I have these two records, and, uh, you know, you don't, I really wanted to put Raw out because this co-bill was about to start. And uh, so it just came right down to just release them on the same day. And in this day and age, you know, Honestly, I don't think it really matters, at least on my level. Um, uh, how many you can put out three, four records at one time? You know, people are just kind of probably dive in and and pluck out the songs that they want anyway, and probably create their own playlist out of those. <laughs> so that's uh, that's how it happens. Yeah, the vinyl. I mean, the whole record part of the record industry is is so obviously different now from when we were kids. Um, <laughs> it's 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 great to hear you know everybody puts out records still because you have to but it's become a single a single world yeah. right um yeah i'm 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 still kind of you know holding on to that romantic idea of an album and knowing all the songs and what song comes next you know and kind of have that familiar feeling of, of listening to an album and with that being said you know the the vinyl uh is one medium that actually sells. I mean, I have, you know, floor to ceiling stacks of CDs in my basement that hopefully will one day make a beautiful, you know, 
baby mobiles to hang over their you know crib or something you know because god knows these, these cds aren't going anywhere uh but the vinyl i can't seem to keep vinyl people seem to buy that so yeah good. it's that yeah i mean more and more people are getting into it re-romanticizing records at least eight tracks aren't coming back well <laughs> yeah cassettes, uh, are, cassettes are still floating around though they and they're making there's actually a little bolder uh i think it's some college students that started a cassette only record label here a couple years ago i don't know if it's still going but uh that's exciting i have i have a cassette player there you go uh, in in the in the small corner of a like a one of those old looking box uh record player cd player all in one you know and it has like a has like a little rectangular slot to put a cassette in in the side so that's kind of cool i got probably you know hundred couple of hundred cassettes and that still work yeah but they just, you know, i dance naked to my cell phone speaker so pretty easy to please. <laughs> yeah they uh you just have to i, I found an old C- cassette from a friend's band and and i, I have to sort of figure out how to get it to work well because the tape's yeah. all stretched out and everything now sure, um it's tricky yeah yeah so anyway um so you have i think 25 albums out is that right or am i close yeah I'd, I'd say you're close um what uh, so uh, the, and that speaks for itself i i mean the prolificness is amazing but i wanted to really ask you about um because you do festivals and and you're part of the jam scene and and a uh sort of an elder statesman now i think um what's your take on bootlegs <laughs> on bootlegs yeah Bootlegs being uh, like people like, showing up with microphones and recording and passing it around. Stuff. Exactly. Oh yeah, I'm hundred percent down. I I I come from the you know the Grateful Dead world. Uh, first, I went my first show was 1987. You know, and and um, I, I I saw several shows and and uh, um, uh, understood the whole taping world and the taping policy. And once I got into doing you know my shows. Uh, uh, there were tapers that would come to my shows, and and you think about it, in the '80s and the '90s, the only way to really get your music over to California was to be on a record label. And the only way to really be on a record label is to tour over there. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle, and it's difficult to to really get, even think about getting your music across the country. And and that was kind of you know the internet was around, but it wasn't as pre- prevalent as it was, and. I definitely credit the taping community to help spread my music um, around, you know. I mean, it's it, it makes sense for people to record every single show and to sell it. Uh, I don't do that. I don't like, uh, I make so many mistakes in, in, in my show that I, I don't feel it right to charge people to, you know, for these things that I feel like some are a lot of mistakes. You know, nothing's really record ready, but yet... Um, as far as people recording it themselves, you know, and uh, throwing it on archive, I think it's I think it's great. I'm I'm 100 uh, percent in line with that. Cool. And welcome it. Yeah. Cool. We're talking to Keller Williams here on KGNU. Keller will be playing uh, at the Caribou Room on February 10th. That's Saturday night. Doors are at 7:30. The show's at nine, and it is a 21 and over show. Um, and we are proudly presenting that here at KGNU. I wanted to, um, we were talking about the Grateful Dead a little bit, and I wanted to just ask you about um, how you got started. What 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 brought 
you know, growing up, what was your first introduction to music? And, and, and you have so many different genres that you work in. Um, it must be kind of fun not having to be in a box. Oh yeah. I'm very, very, very grateful, uh, to be able to have the freedom to do what I do. And, and, um, that's only because the people buying tickets, uh, allow that, you know, and, um, I think with the different projects I do, I think there's still a, an element of, of me that comes through, and I think that's what, um, what hopefully people grab onto that that we call repeat offenders that come see me more than once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I guess to go back, a quick summary, you know, it starts, I guess, with uh, with Hee Haw, you know, picking in a grinning, Roy Clark, Buck Owens, being small, being little, um, you know, watching the picking in a grinning. Yep. And that kind of uh, carries on into, uh, you know, Kiss, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, um, Ace Frehley, um, Chris, uh, uh, Peter Chris on drums, <laughs> you know, and uh, and then that kind of goes into, you know, uh, uh, eventually kind of into like a, a punk rock, uh, a skating, uh, skateboard type of uh, Ramones, Sex Pistols, Dead Kennedys, GBH, uh, um, you know, that kind of anger. Uh, and then that kind of slides slowly into what we call the uh, college rock or the black eye makeup music, which was like Cure, Smiths, R.E.M. And R.E.M. kind of like took me into this kind of like acoustic, psychedelic thing. The early stuff, you know, you can really dive into some of that, um, you know, third or fourth record. And uh, somehow the R.E.M. kind of slipped into the Grateful Dead you know, kind of that acoustic exploration um, is what uh, uh, got me first with the Grateful Dead was the uh, the acoustic live record. And um, going to the show, you know, experimenting, uh, um, you know, really diving into the Grateful Dead, that opened me up into jazz improvisation, and that led into, like, all different kinds of things like... Um, like uh, you know, reggae and eventually uh, electronic music crept its way into my into my head and, and have been, you know, uh, a not-so-secretive lover of EDM, electronic dance music, and kind of kind of combining all these together into my, uh, into my ideas uh, that, I, that I come uh, and play on stage as a, as a solo act, you know. Right. The, uh, the, project, the projects are definitely, some of them are very, you know, specific but the solo act definitely can um can uh you know it can use attention deficit disorder in a, a very good way <laughs> that's funny did um when did you start playing music um i started pretending uh to play guitar when i was three and like you know i had a, a little guitar from the department store and held it wrong and that ended up shifting into a hockey stick with a piece of twine because it looked more like a like an electric and the little twine was a, a long leash of twine to kind of simulate the uh the cable uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, uh i would have like you know uh couch pillows that i would pretend are my amps and i would go back and mess with the couch pillows and and uh and play um but then uh, i started like a friend showed me some chords when i was about 13 and uh, really um, got obsessed with it. And I think my first gig for money was uh, when I was 16. I was sitting on a stool 
with a coat and tie at the country club uh, playing covers, you know, at um, 6 o'clock, like 6 to 8. What songs were you playing? It's like 5 to 7 or something. <laughs> um, it was um, like, uh, uh, I want to know, have you ever seen the rain? You know, just like stuff uh, people at the country club could sing along to, you know. Um, um, yeah, Eagles, um, uh, Dan Fogelberg, James Taylor, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. I'd throw in some, some Grateful Dead stuff. I'd throw in some original stuff when they weren't listening. Uh, but, yeah, that type of stuff. And that was very misleading because um, I think uh, that first gig was like $175. And uh, I did that gig several times, but once I finally left you know, home, I, there were many, many, many gigs that I, I didn't come anywhere near one hundred seventy five dollars. <laughs> it was very, you know, misleading in that point. See, you thought you uh, had a but, career then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, take to college and and the college did. There were a lot of bands formed there, and you know, playing fraternities and French fraternities at other colleges, and then little clubs and opening acts and stuff. And then the the band kind of broke up, and and so I went back as a solo and was getting the same. Uh, as a solo as for the four-piece band, you know, playing like the same clubs that I was playing with the band. And then I was getting kind of the same, the same guarantee with, uh, which was probably, you know, 200 bucks maybe, you know? Yep. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that was, uh, this, well, this, this could be something. This could be, uh, this could be, I could, I could make this work. There you so, go. Um, and, and so I want to, let's bring it back to sort of the creative process. What, do you have a process? Um, how do you come up with your ideas? Walk us through that a little bit. Well, for songwriting, um, unfortunately, you know, I've been in a rut since my kids have been born. <laughs> I've been, uh, the, you know, the record, the, the songs I've written, uh, that are on these records, you know, that that's it. That's, you know, there's nothing really else to choose from, you know, I'm, uh, that, before kids, what, what, what would happen is I would probably tour for three weeks um play as many shows as possible you know in a certain area and then i'd be off for two weeks and once you're once you tour for three weeks straight you know that first week of being off is kind of like a decompression and uh finally relaxing a little bit you know being in one place and then that second week the boredom would kick in and then once the boredom would kick in the creativity would really flow and that's uh when i think this my strongest songwriting was uh was uh you know about 10 15 years ago and i've been kind of chasing that since uh and now uh, i'm very lucky to adapt the uh, weekend mentality and be gone from thursday morning to sunday afternoon granted there's a there's you know there's sometimes where i'll do a sunday festival set come back monday but usually i'm gone for three and a half days right and then um so that boredom never really has its chance to kick in my my kids are uh, nine and 13 right now. And it's, um, really, uh, great age to be involved, you know? And, uh, so I'm trying, um, my best to take time to come up with material, but, um, it's, it's really difficult right now. But, uh, if, if I was to explain how I write a song, it would probably be, um, you know, start with the hook. It, it starts with, uh, a chorus, 
You know, it starts with, for me, it always starts with, with some kind of melody that shapes into some kind of uh, chorus that uh, somehow makes me laugh. Um, not necessarily trying to go for comedy, but, you know, that's kind of what I'm into, is trying to entertain myself with this. And then from there, I would venture off into verses um, relating to this chorus. And, uh, you know, you try to follow the the format, you know, you start with the format of, say, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, jam, bridge, verse, chorus, out. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of start with that. Sometimes it doesn't always go with that, but uh, that's a good place to start, at least for me. Yep. And usually whenever, whenever I try and sit down and write a song, never happens. Or if I come up with something, just to come up with something, it, it never sticks, it never stays. Uh, and I've been uh, really enjoying relearning songs that I wrote so long ago that I've completely forgot about. And uh, I'll be writing a set list and I'll go to, you know, Spotify main tracks or whatever, and I'll just uh, dive through and, and my own material and like, oh God, I, don't even, I, I couldn't do that song if you put a gun to my head. You know, I would not know the first chord or the first line. And uh, so it's fun diving back in and relearning stuff that I've written, especially when you can't seem to write anything. It's hard. I mean, being it helps, it helps the, the depression a little bit. Yeah, but being a dad and and being involved with the kids and family, there's a there's a huge um, sort of gap. I, that's been sort of that's just something that that I notice is that you know you have your creative life and your family life, and it's and and they make it very hard. Just like anybody who's got a job and then is a creative person, but they've got to work. It's it's hard fitting everything in, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is, and and it's all about, you know, uh, designating time for it, you know, and uh, you know, microdosing doesn't hurt, but I, you know, I can't recommend that, but you know, that's um, in Colorado, all, you can. About, like... <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to, you know, be responsible too, and at the same time, um, uh, you know, a kid could get sick in the middle of the day and if that's your 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 time that you're you've uh, laid out to try and write a song you know that could be a problem um and and then the song will go away and hopefully uh you know you don't wreck the car yeah <laughs> the uh have you ever looked back at at your songs and and not from necessarily a technical point or or oh my god i don't remember i can't couldn't do that but on an emotional level it's like are there songs that you've forgotten about that you that that bring back specific memories good and or bad yeah absolutely absolutely um uh the juggler is one that i um had some uh kind of um not so friendly memories mm -hmm. um but that's uh not not too many of those um let's see what, what else there's another one um uh, same old thing. Um, those were kind of two songs from kind of that same era. And, uh, you know, um, I can understand um, hurting and, and putting it into music and, uh, and that helping. And, and I can, I can dig that. I think, um, I can understand it 100%. And I, I think the older I get, the more I want to entertain and 
make people forget about uh, you know the what's happening in the world and with their lives and try and be entertained for you know 90 minutes or, or, or two hours or however long they let me play you know yep. and that's kind of, that's kind of uh, uh, where, where my head is now but a lot a lot of the songs that I listen to that I've written you know definitely calendarize me where uh, I was at that time and, and recording has been like that always for me it's not never been to sell a product it's been to document uh, my music in the best way possible the highest quality played you know uh, something where I'm not going to listen to and think oh that's a mistake you know fix the mistakes and make it so it's it's you know when I listen to it 20 years from now and remember uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be good so and it's not like I sit around and listen to my own, you know, my own music all the time because I definitely don't. Uh, it's just, um, it's just a, a way to document things. And that's how. That's why I keep doing it. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's interesting to hear everybody has different reasons why they listen, why they create, and 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 uh, what it means for them personally as opposed to. For every, you do it for yourself and other people. So, right, right. Um, okay, last question because I've kept you on a long time here. Um, if okay. you if you weren't a musician, what would you what would you be doing? I'd probably be a DJ, uh-huh. uh, and in all realms, you know, I'd probably uh, try and work in radio during the day, and and probably go and uh, try and you know get free drinks at night uh, and to play some club. Um, uh, or maybe I'd uh, um, tech, be a, be a tech for my favorite band. Mm-hmm. Um, Walmart greeter. Um, <laughs> I like that gig. That looks like a good gig. Um, I could probably could probably probably be a decent. Uh, um, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. That's, probably, that's probably all I do. So it's it sounds like just anything that has to do with communicating and and interacting with people, you'd be good and fine with. Them. I think, I hope so. Yeah. yeah, just you know, no, no real office punch the clock type of thing, you know. Um, and uh, I think I could, uh, I think I probably could easily live in a van down by the river and be okay with that. Yeah, there you go. Did um. Uh, it it speaks to me a little bit. Did did you um did you do you have any advice or or when people ask you for advice uh, for young musicians and and young guys and gals starting out? What what do you tell them? Yeah, uh, create your own scene. Um, try not to let music be the only way to make money because you'll end up getting pissed off at it. You know, try and figure out a way to pay your bills and to have music kind of be a soothing thing that you enjoy and not something that you have to don't make it, don't let it be a job. And then if it happens, then you can quit your job. But if it doesn't, you know, it's, you know, that's the best advice I can give. Those are very pragmatic words, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's that Virginia background, right? Uh, it could be. Yeah. It could be just you know the whole life of setting the bar low and uh, <laughs> celebrating when uh, when we go above the bar. You know, it's, needless to say, luckily there's a lot of celebrating involved, and 
you know. So, but uh, I uh, have a. Um, I'm in the parking lot of a of my studio right now. My, not, not my studio, but the one I've done so many records in, and I'm working on my first instrumental record. Very excited about this. Um, uh, possible title is Sans S A N S, as in without without vocals, and I am touching on some of these old um, instrumental acoustic guitar pieces that I've been doing for 20 years that have never never seen a bass line or, or a drum part, and uh, it's acoustic guitar and a big acoustic upright bass and uh, a whole plethora of computer wizardry and uh, super, you know, natural sounding yet electronic uh, dance beats kind of going along with it. Not really getting into a, um, you know, um, um, know, following the formula of dance music to a certain extent, but not getting into of a monotonous groove. And there's a lot of changes, but it's uh, still like uh, my you know, a path of acoustic dance music. And I'm hoping it uh, comes out uh, late spring, early summer is what I'm hoping. Oh, great. Well, we will definitely be looking for that. All right. All right. Keller Williams, thank you very much. Come check him out on February 10th, Saturday night at the Caribou Room. Uh, we are KGNU and presenting the show. It stores at 7.30, shows at 9. And I want to thank you again for spending the time with us today and uh, look forward to seeing the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Talk to you again soon. Bye now. Bye.